Hello and welcome to another episode of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, in our last episode, we were talking about the people who are given the tenants, the pieces of gold, and what they end up doing with them. And unfortunately, in this capitalistic world, or maybe it's a human thing and it's not just for us, we have this mindset of if I didn't get anything out of it in terms of a tangible return, it's not going to be worth it. In fact, it's actually going to be having been a waste of time, a waste of energy. Uh, as I just mentioned to you, I'm going through a rebranding policy with, with well, not policy, but practice with a company I'm just creating. So creating the branding image, spending literally two whole days of my life and a lot of other economic resources to try to do the branding. And, you know, we just offhandedly said, it's a lot put into that. It's as well, if it works, it's worth it. But if it doesn't, it's just a waste of time. And what I want to discuss, because that's so human nature, that's people's attitudes mostly towards God. If I can see something out of it, if I can get something out of it, it will have been worth it. But since that takes too long and I'm too impatient, I don't want to invest the time and the energy. And I wanted to start with that episode because I think it's really, really common mindset. And, you know, if we're all feeling this thing at a human being level, and the point of our show in part is to show the tangible benefits of an experience with God, addressing this hurdle would probably be a good thing to do since it lives in the human brain. Yeah, it's, it's uh, not unrelated to a theme that we come back to in different shapes and sizes in uh, a lot of different ways, which is a kind of return on investment uh, idea. Uh, why should I put something into it if I'm not going to get something out of it? I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's fair enough. <laughs> We've got to make decisions in life and how do we evaluate certain things. Uh, fortunately, we can look at totally different categories like you decided to get married and have a baby. Now, you had some idea you're going to get something out of that, but it's not by any means uh, a purely cold calculation. And in fact, when you made marriage vows, you said, it, well, whatever the version of it is, but you know, for richer, for poor, yeah. you know, for in sickness and in health until death do us part. The, but mm-hmm. the point being, like, even if this thing goes south, uh, even if my, my wife five minutes after we're married is paralyzed from the neck down, I'm in, you know, so I'm not, uh, so we, we understand that, that certain things require commitment. Now we don't step into commitments in a stupid way. Like I'm just going to commit myself to a, a sinking ship. Well, you know, but we make, we make commitments prudently and intelligently, but we make commitments also knowing that the outcome may not be what we think it will be but we know that it's worth making the commitment anyway. And so that's a whole category of things. Now, with something like an advertising strategy, I mean, it's uh, it's oriented a bit towards like actually getting something out of it. I mean, that's the that's the point and it's measurable in that way. And there are a number of things in life that are measurable in that way. And again, when we make a commitment, when we step into something, we should do some cost analysis and some risk benefit analysis and this kind of thing. But then we also step into things knowing that they're that they're good in and of themselves. And that's uh 
to, to flip it around to a different angle, uh, many of the saints, when asked, if you knew that today was the last day of your life, what would you do? Well, exactly what I'm doing. Because if it weren't God's will for me to be doing what I'm doing, I wouldn't be doing it. And if it's God's will also to take my life, well, then I'm going to keep doing what I'm just going to keep doing God's will, you know? So there's a, so on the one hand, we look to the outcome and the outcome is important, but then we set into a process and have a commitment and we know that the process is important. And in fact, the process is in some way uh, is really a value in itself, the commitment, the sacrifice, the perseverance, the day by day, that's a part of it. So you don't sort of say like, well, my marriage was a success if 30 years from now, it looks like this. You say, well, my marriage is a success if I live it today. I, I'm, I'm just going to live it today. And I'm going to live it today as best as I can. So we, we do enter into certain uh, kinds of processes and relationships like that, that we, we then don't, we don't keep looking to the outcome. We bury the seed, we make the commitment, and we don't keep digging it up to find, it, find out what it's doing. We just keep watering the soil and, and providing the, the, the fertilizer and uh, making sure there's sunlight. And, and then we let the thing turn into whatever it's going to turn into. But um, it makes me think of, I was just having a conversation with my, my team. I, I'm the director for the Institute for Ministry Formation. I was thinking I should get you to advertise this in some way. We just uh, launched a new website, so I'm not as embarrassed about our, our internet presence anymore. Uh, imf.stvincentseminary.edu. But uh, our institute team is directed towards helping the church. And I just hired somebody to do parish outreach and formation. And uh, we were talking about the necessary shift from consumer to commitment. Uh, so we've talked a lot about the parish or the uh, attitude of pastors, leaders going from maintenance to mission. But this is my new addition in terms of the uh, participants uh, in, along the journey to go from consumer to commitment. And as I said, fair enough, if you're in a, cons a consumer place, uh, we make those kinds of evaluations. We, we want to know that there's some return on investment. We, we want to make a step into good things and we can test the waters. You know, we dip our toe in a little bit and see that there's something good coming out of it. It's not a, a charlatan who's going to take us for all we're worth. Um, you know, we, we dip our toe in, we start as consumers, if you will, but we need to move eventually from consumer to commitment. It's sort of like moving from dating to marriage. Uh, dating isn't even consumer. That's a little bit, and probably church shouldn't be consumer either, but uh, if I can at least uh, talk in those terms for, and people understand it properly, but, but we move from a more short-term uh, rapid evaluation of outcomes to a long-term uh, I'm going to commit my life to this and I'm going to dive in. We're not going to fully understand the value of marriage until we commit. We're not going to fully understand the value of the church until we commit. And that's just a necessary threshold that we have to cross. Uh, understandably, it takes some time, uh, attention, some handholding, some trust building to cross that threshold. And in some ways, we have to cross it again and again. Uh, as different challenges come up in life, even as marriage always requires a kind of recommitment, especially when difficult things happen. And we, uh, we do that with ceremonial renewal of vows and things like that. Uh, but the commitment is for life. And that's how we should be aiming towards our participation in the church as well, that we're really making a commitment for life. 
Otherwise, you just can't test drive the church so far. That's one of the offensive things people will do with marriage. Well, you wouldn't buy a car until you test drove it. Well, don't do that. I mean, get to know the woman, but there are things that are sacred and kept from marriage and go along with the commitment, namely the the sexual activity. But a number of aspects of being married, uh, living together, sharing uh, bank accounts, sharing uh, mutual responsibility in significant ways, that stuff belongs with the full commitment. And uh, so again, I'm just making this analogy back and forth between the commitment to marriage and the commitment to the church, which is not going to be resolved or determined by a risk-benefit analysis. And the other part of that full commitment is it's never looking to end it or exit it. Um, you know, and you don't have a lawyer built into your phone unless you happen to be friends with one. But it's not that for the purpose of, of their services. And I think that that's part of what needs to be said too. It's not just I'm married on paper. It's I'm full in and I'm, I'm never thinking about leaving it. Um, so this obviously is, is important, it, but it's also the mindset that most of us are called into. I mean, it, part of being dwelled into the, the parts of life that, that bring us down is the, what am I going to get out of it mentality? And sometimes it's skewed because as you said, this, this mentality of return on investment is part of our lives. I mean, there's part of our survival that just needs to know what's worth it and what's not. If you go all the way back to the caveman, I can chase this little rabbit around and maybe I get him and he's going to pay out this. Or a group of us can go after this big buffalo, probably just as hard per person, but the payout is massive. So when we look across the Great Plains, what got extinct? The buffalo, not the bunnies. And it, that's just a natural thing of thinking about return on investment from that standpoint. And it's kind of ingrained into us. So looking at the fact that I don't really think that it can be fully weighed out, but looking at the way that we look at the return, I think is the, the thing that matters here. Because I have been in a number of situations with probably way more than I can count of actual salespeople involved with different mentalities about something as simple as should I go and market myself in, in a networking group event? And I will get different mentalities when they are there about what they are actually looking for, for the return on the investment. I get the people who just need, I only want to talk to people who are going to give me clients. And if they're not going to give me clients, I'm not going to talk to this person on a very transactional, I'm giving you this, I'm giving you this type situation. And there's plenty of marketing groups and networking groups that are based upon trading referrals and you know they're successful in their own right. But the ones that truly get beneficial are the ones that say, you know what, I'm just trying to build a connection here. If I get something out of this immediately right now, that's okay, but that's not really what we're trying to do here. We're trying to build a situation where knowing each other will be beneficial so that when the right situation comes down, we will have a trusting enough relationship that I will be able to refer someone to you with confidence. And that might never happen. It might be by the time I get someone who's a good situation for you, you're not in that position anymore, maybe not even with that company anymore. Now, does that mean that that encounter was wrong or bad? No, 
because there's a lot more than just the transferring of referrals going back and forth there. There's the essence of feeling good about yourself and knowing that you're running a good practice. And I think that so much of our process, especially in business, does not account for that element. How does it actually impact us internally rather than just the bottom line on an external spreadsheet? And that mindset shift, I think, is very hard to get across. But those who go across that bridge normally end up being the founders and enhancers of very, very successful entities. And they end up making the workplaces that people actually want to be at. And I want to to point that out, that there is tremendous value in this, but it doesn't happen overnight. It's It's a mindset that eventually will produce the process of getting there, but the process isn't always as fast as we want. It can be, but you can't expect it to be. If you expect it to be in quick results, you'll never get it. And if you go, and this is, I guess, ironic, the more all in you go into serving others, actually, the better the results are. And sometimes they come faster. It's very ironic, but it, it's, it's to me, the definition of selflessness or selfishness. And I think that this is how it applies, as I see it, coaching different businesses and individuals across this country. So, yeah, I mean, that that's kind of where I, I, I'm thinking with this, your father and how can we connect these dots of bringing this into our relationship with God? I mean, I, to say, on the one hand, I've always felt that it was wrong to treat God as a slot machine. You know, if I keep going there with enough prayers, keep, keep pounding the buttons, eventually everything's going to ring out. It's going to be awesome. But most of the time, it's going to just take my money and not really care. And I think that that version of God is is what I was trying to articulate as you're just looking for an immediate return and it's not going to be worth it. So I, I want to really kind of focus home as we conclude this episode here about how to overcome that and just the actual kind of X's and O's, if there is a way to do that in our brain chemistry to make it that I don't need an immediate return right now. What I want to get is going to be way better. I need to look at the horizon more than the immediacy in front of me. Yeah, well, you, uh, I really like that slot machine. I've often talked about making God a vending machine, but the slot machine is actually a more accurate image because of the idea that you get no return so much of the time in, in any obvious way. If you're treating God like I put something in and I get something out, as, uh, that's, uh, that's great. I really like that. Um, and yeah, I think we have to make the relational shift. I mean, I was making analogies with marriage, uh, not because I thought through it so much, but because marriage is always the, the analogy. It's the, the most, uh, oh, it's the, the highest form of friendship, you might say, and the, the complementarity of the sexes and its uh, life-giving quality and the lifelong commitment. Um, so the, the relational analogy, uh, which again, looks into God himself, uh, who is father, son, and Holy spirit irreducibly. He is one God and he is all three persons. And, um, you can't have a father without the son. So it's, it's really irreducibly in relationship. 
the uh, in fact the relationship in some sense is the holy spirit the relationship is so significant that it's personified uh, it's a person in itself and that's the kind of thing you get in marriage when the relationship is personified through a child um, more partially than in the trinity but anyway uh, those relational analogies i think are the are the important ones we uh, we don't enter into uh, we wouldn't call it a friendship if it were merely utilitarian. So we we have, uh, and use the word transactional. I think that's a great word to describe the way we often engage with people. Uh, even treating a person transactionally is really, um, might sound strong, but I would say it's sin. <laughs> to treat a person, to objectify a person. That's the what John Paul II called the personalistic norm that a person is always an end in and of themselves, never a means to an end. And to treat a person as a means to an end is sinful. It's to, uh, to reduce the person to a, uh, an, an object or an animal and to lose the sight of the personhood of a human being. And so uh, we really need to transform all of our relationships towards a collaboration toward a common end or a mutually beneficial end. And so... I always think of the person at McDonald's. I don't know why, if the, even if that's the best analogy, but that it's always the one that comes to mind. Am I just using this person? And now we replace them with a machine half the time. I don't go into McDonald's very much, but <laughs> every time I go in, it seems like there are less persons and more machines. Uh, but to treat the person behind the counter as a person who has, a, who has an incommunicable mystery at, at his or her center, who is in the image and likeness of God, who has an eternal quality, who will never die because the soul will live forever. So to treat every person like that, and then that person has a role at McDonald's and I have a role as a customer and uh, we interact around a common end. And so it's a collaboration if I'm treating it properly, but not losing sight of the person. All of that is to say, if we are intentional, careful, uh, thoughtful about making sure our religious commitments are relational. And that's going to start with relationships. And that's why Christian community is so important. We, we don't get closer to God without other people. And the, the church, broadly speaking, is an example of that. You can't encounter God in the Eucharist without the priest, period. In a certain sense, the priest can't do that without the people, um, Technically speaking, he can have mass alone, but he, uh, anyway, uh, really, we need each other. We need to be together. We need to be in relationship in order to also develop that relationship with God. A commitment to the church is a commitment to people. And developing relationships with people engage the relational dimension of us, which is not just transactional, not just utilitarian. We, we encounter a person as a person, and that helps us to encounter God in, in his relationality in his personhood to have a personal relationship with him so so uh really maintaining the sense of relationships i think is the key to moving out of the transactional and into that interpersonal that relational commitment that i'm not just uh committing to a person for the sake of getting something out of it i'm, I'm committing to a person for the sake of the person i'm committing to god for the sake of god i'm committing to the church for the sake of the church, which is to say the people in it and, and God who is uh, intimately united with it. And, and so that's the, I think the internal shift that needs to happen 
if we're going to avoid some of the problems of treating God like a slot machine. Yeah, and as you do that internal shift, it takes us back to the analogy that we used in the last episode. It's really how you make your vessel of transferring yourself better. And I want to point out something that also needs to be addressed because most people don't think this because most people will never do this. If you just live in this transactional mindset and you go to create an entity, almost always when you come back 18 months later, it will be different than what you and your partner thought, you and your business partner thought it would have been at day one. That is a fact of life. So if you were only in it because I want this return or I want this product to be made or I want this to be the message, there's a very strong likely that one, if not all of those, will be a little bit altered, if not radically altered from what you expected. And I say this to point out that not transforming and staying in this pure, what do I get out of it? Transactional mindset really never works when put to the test of the long run. And we have this dual problem that happens society wide. On the one hand, our nation is scared to death of dying. And on the other hand, we hate looking downfield. So one of the two things should not be together. You know, if we want to be in a situation where we're constantly striving to live forever because we're afraid of dying, we should look to see what that looks like. And this is applicable in all facets of our lives. And I do want to try to bring it full circle to point out that even in the business world, it still should be this is that. And to, to give the uh, the McDonald's example there is maybe you've experienced this, maybe you haven't, but you become friends with the people that work there. And then all of a sudden, one day, you just get some extra you wouldn't expect it of because, you know, they're friends with you and, and that's just kind of what happens. Um, you know, they give you a random discount on something. They give you, you know, whatever. And, and you didn't engage in being friendly and nice to them thinking you're going to get an extra box of nuggets dropped into your meal one day, 20 months from now, you did it because practicing those muscles makes you a better person and it makes their better too. It does make your immediacy of today better, but it also creates a channel and a habit of making everything better. And it doesn't matter if you're stuck into the deepest pit that you've ever been at and you just want to hide and disappear forever this will help being nice to each other and being open to the long run will help and being open to God who will never say no in terms of reaching out to you. It's normally the easiest place to go for people in that kind of state where what is, what is in it for me? And the person who's there the most often is oftentimes the one that's most ignored. And that's a sad part of life. So we thank everyone for listening to us here today and we do invite you to share this with you know someone else in your life who is potentially on this journey of trying to become more open, looking downfield. And if you can think of someone who's like that, please click the share button and send a text of this episode over to them. 
we greatly appreciate that. So we'll be with you next week and we'll talk to you then.